KYW News Radio in Philadelphia. This is Scroll Down. I'm Tom Rickert. Last week, it took months to learn that their grandmother was dead and weeks to find her body. We followed Cherry Gregg and David Wilson at a system of guardianship in Philadelphia and the failures that left the family asking, Where's my grandma? As they tried to find out what happened to David's grandmother, Ruth Pasley. We stopped through. And they said she had been transferred. And so I called and I said, I'd like to speak to Miss Ruth Pasley. They, they were like, well, she's trying to speak to this Miss Ruth Pasley. And I heard people on the phone. Somebody yelled, she's died a long time ago. Where she was buried. It took us a month to find her body. And it was because somebody literally out the gr- grace of God, niceness, just said, look, man, I can't really tell you. And this is against the rules. But check out this spot. She's this way. No, 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 no headstone, no nothing yet. There was an estimated four other bodies buried in that hole with her. She can't stay here. We got to get her out of here. We didn't know, and the man couldn't tell us whether she was on the bottom, in the middle, on the top, or how recently um, someone else had been buried. But it looked like it was freshly dug, and she had been buried there in January. So. I would assume that at least another body was on top of her. And how she slipped through the cracks of the Pennsylvania guardianship system. So there's not a a rule that a court-appointed guardian has to contact the family of the person they're looking out for to tell them when they die. No, there is no rule that says that. Today on the podcast. Well, there were multiple cracks in the system. Number one. How do we fill those cracks? So something like this doesn't happen again. Cherry Gregg is back with me again in the studio. Hey, Cherry. Hey, Tom. You got an incredible amount of feedback from your reporting on the Pasley family. I did, yeah. And the entire guardianship system in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Families who are going through the same thing. Funeral directors who wanted to dish about the system. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'll ask you about some of those stories a bit later. First, we've told about half this story so far on the podcast. We got to follow you and Ruth's grandchildren as you guys figured out where Ruth's body was Mm -hmm. buried. We got a basic idea of how the guardianship system works and how something like this could have happened in the first place. Mm -hmm. But that's only half the story that needs to be told here. Let's talk about how do we fix this? We touched on a report last week, a list of recommendations to fix the guardianship system. How many recommendations were there? 130. Yeah, that's how many problems the Pennsylvania Elder Law Task Force saw with this system. Uh, It's run by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. They oversee guardianship. They put together this very diverse group of professionals who worked in elder law, and they looked at the system. And they, they were like, hey, man, there are so many holes. We We would have to do a lot to fix it. One of the people that you talked to, we heard from last week, is one of the members of the panel that made those recommendations, right? Yeah, that was Keelan Barry. She is an elder law attorney here in the greater in the Philadelphia area. There are efforts being made to try to tighten things up, and I think the individual jurisdictions are now, you know, paying a lot more attention to uh, how guardianship works and trying to be thoughtful about how to fix it. 
But there's so much more that has to be done. For example, some of the things that were problematic was that guardians, they need to get background checked. You got to get a background check for most jobs, right? But about a year ago, there was a major report uh, in Philadelphia uh, showing that a woman had been convicted of a felony for fraud, okay, had done jail time, and then was uh, serving as a guardian on 100 cases over three counties, ripping people off. I think because there has not been very good monitoring, there has not been very good reporting, and because there's been such a need for guardians due to the increased elderly population, the floodgates were open to some bad actors. A simple Google search by one of the families revealed this woman's criminal background. And the court, the orphan's court, hadn't even done that and had someone who was a fraudster literally acting as a guardian and stealing from people. And and that shouldn't have happened. With absolutely no checks. No checks. who she was before. Yeah. Her. And just to be clear, you don't have to be a lawyer. Anybody can be a guardian. And there were very minimal checks. But one of the recommendations was like, hey, we need to do criminal background checks before we... The court comes in and assigns a guardian to someone who is a who basically is a convicted felon. We can't have that happening. One of the other things they said is, look, we need to do a, a bill of rights for the elderly individuals and for their families so that people understand how this guardianship thing is supposed to work. This problem happened because no one really talked to the, the Wilson family. No one said, hey, now that James Tyler is the guardian for Ruth Pasley, let me tell you what you guys have a right to do, what you guys need to do. You need to call him because he doesn't have to call you. And and also to understand that when she dies, his guardianship ends and he has absolutely no duty to you. So while we have appointed someone to act in this role, you must still do this. And then also to let the clients know what the guardian is obligated to do. So those are just a couple of the, of the things that the task force has recommended be done. Were there any other key recommendations that stuck out to you. Yeah, well, one is being rolled out this December. It's called the Guardianship Tracking System. So this solves some of the problem, the monitoring problem. Yeah, I think it's going to be great, actually. I think it will allow judges to put red flags on guardians who do something wrong. So if there's a guardian who, you know, doesn't file reports and is not accounting fully for the funds under their administration, a judge can put a red flag on that person so that a judge in, you know, Allegheny County on the other side of the state can see that someone was doing something inappropriate in Philadelphia. Right now, I mean, each county has its own different system and way of filing the different reports that guardians must file, and they're not connected. You could literally be servicing 100 people in Allegheny County and, like, ripping people off and then coming to Philly and doing another 50 in, in Montgomery County, and no one knows. The guardianship tracking system makes it a statewide system where everybody across the state are following things and judges can flag people statewide so that if you're a judge in Allegheny County, you can see if someone has had some issues in Philadelphia. It allows, you know, it allows for that kind of monitoring, but it also, I think, makes guardians pay more attention to, you know, to the details of what they're doing. You know, there are reports that have been filed they don't have very much information. Half the stuff is blank. Half the stuff is blank. And, you know, what did you spend the money on? Well, we spent it on this and that and the other thing, but no amounts are next to it. It's hard to know, you know, how much did you spend $10 on room and board 
and $3,000 on a TV. Who knows? You know, who knows what the Guardian did? But people have told me there's still some issues with this. This is not a, a, you know, end all fix. And that more of the recommendations that have been made by the Elder Law Task Force needs to be implemented as well. Do you have any idea of how seriously these recommendations are are being taken? And if, if, you know, 130 is a big number. Yeah. Are they all going to be acted on? I don't think so. I mean, this this report came out four years ago. It came out in 2014, and it took them this long just to get the guardianship tracking system up and running. But the problem is there's not a lot of funding for this. You know, as we mentioned with the Ruth Passy case, I mean, James Tyler was getting like 100 bucks uh, a month from her Social Security to be her guardian and has a number, scores and scores of other cases. And a lot of these guardians, especially lawyer types, do this in bulk so they can make 10 grand a month and they do the very bare minimum. I think it's going to take a lot of oversight. um, And I think it's up to families to really try to step up and keep their eye on these guardians to make sure that they're doing their jobs. I can't help but think that if you're a family who needs to get involved with the guardianship system, maybe you have a grandmother Mm -hmm. who who is, um, has been appointed a guardian. They really have no idea what they're getting into that. There's no oversight that we are one recommendation yeah. down 129 more to go. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't seem like a, a very healthy situation. It's it's really not. And I will say this. I I got a lot of calls from people telling me of other situations that um, I'm going to have to look into. They told me that, look, you know, courts have interfered when they didn't need to. And part of what we learned was that appointing a guardian, especially a stranger, is um, a step of last resort. The last thing you want to do is bring a stranger like a James Tyler in on Ruth Pasley. And so I think that um, one of the things this family uh, should have been told is that you should object to this and that you should try your best not to allow these strangers in um, into your family. Your rights as a family member are limited when it comes to the guardianship. They don't have to call you. They don't have to keep you informed. It would be nice and it probably would be in the best interest of their client, but they can come up with reasons why it's not in the best interest. And so you get these court-appointed strangers coming in and doing what they will and, and leaving everybody else in the dark. Do you know how Pennsylvania's guardianship system stacks up with, with other state systems? This is a national problem. There are a few states who are innovating and who are making the types of reforms that are necessary, but I can't say that Pennsylvania is any better or any worse. This is definitely a national problem. I got emails from people in North Carolina, New York, uh, the Washington, D.C. area, uh, people all over the country. Is there any hope that something like what happened to the family of Ruth Pasley could be prevented in the future from happening to another family. Well, yeah, I think that, you know, part of it is there needs to be more training um, and there needs to be a better understanding of what the guardian duties are because there are counties like Montgomery County did some reforms where they spelled it out a little bit more clearly and that, you know, counties can require calling next to can and put it in the, in the, in the requirements. I think in Philadelphia and just Pennsylvania generally, it's not spelled out, but counties can get more specific and, and train guardians to be more, I would say, caring and understanding and thoughtful um, when dealing with the family in this way. What does an innovation like that practically take? Uh, not a, It takes a, a committee. It takes a will. Um, and, and then making um, guardians and, and follow through and oversight, something that has been lacking 
uh, severely. Um, but you have to have training where guardians know, okay, well, if you take on someone, you you got to get the phone number. When the when you're appointed and you're at the courthouse, you need to be exchanging phone numbers in the hallway and making sure you have a complete file and at least try to keep in contact with folks. When your story aired, it went out on the radio, on TV, mm-hmm. on the podcast, on KWNewsRadio.com. A lot of people listened and watched and read. Yes. You, you said that you've been getting some phone calls. What kind of response have you seen from this story? Well, first of all, I got hundreds and hundreds of shares on from CBS Philly. I got a ton of shares on my personal Facebook page. We got a lot of comments on Twitter. You saw them, Tom. Yeah, I saw and, them. Uh, they, and I've gotten emails. And people, I had a couple guys actually show up to the station with files and write me notes uh, at the security guard saying, please, please, please have Cherry Greg call me back. Um, and people that see me on the street, they say they heard the story. So it's been huge. And everybody wants to talk about this family. I mean, they want they want to. Uh, past judgment a lot of times. And the other thing, they they said that they had no idea how guardianship works. And I think a lot of people are calling their grandmas and their aunties and their um, elderly cousins right now because I don't think people are as good with family as they try to pretend to be. I mean, I think that, you know, people are better with their moms a lot of times than they are with their grandmoms and aunties and all that. And if you get into even great aunts and great uncles, it's even worse. But I've been getting tons of calls. And I will flag you to one call I got from a funeral home. Um, And I won't name the funeral home, but they called and they offered their assistance in moving Miss Pasley. And it was, I mean, I was told by this gentleman who seemed very reputable and I looked up his funeral um, company and and, and, uh, he basically said it would cost about $15,000 to, you know, and this is kind of graphic, to dig Miss Pasley up. And he was saying that if she's not on the top, in the in the grave that they have to get court orders to move each body that is on top of her and it could get exceptionally expensive and that digging up someone you can't just dig down you have to dig around the hole that you have to dig is much bigger it could be very time consuming and you have to be very gentle then the other issue that he brought up was because you know it only cost nine hundred dollars to bury her the guardian did it very cheaply the funeral home may have used a very inexpensive casket where she was buried January 10th of 2018 at 10, 11 months on top of that. And it's a wooden casket or something with a cloth top. And he mentioned that that is very much likely what was used in this case. He said that casket is going to be a mess and that it could be very undignified to uh, exhume her body. And so he, he recommended that the family simply Leave her where she is. He said that Fairview Cemetery in Willow Grove was a nice place for a final resting place and that they should just leave her there and pay for a headstone, a flat, you know, monument headstone. He offered one of his contacts that would give them a discount on that. And then he said that they should just leave her there because moving bodies on top of her, digging her up, doing all this kind of stuff is so traumatic. You know, he said you have to have another uh, casket waiting for her remains. He said, and then you, you can't just put this in a hearse and take it over. You got to get a flatbed truck. I mean, it's, and then you got to dig another hole. He's like, it's so many steps, and each step costs thousands. And so for this family that's dealing with this trauma of losing their grandmother, the financial burden of trying to deal with this, it probably would be best just to let Miss Miss Ruth lie where she is in Fairview and just to take that 45-minute track whenever they want to see her, visit her and speak to her, her, her remains. 
That's so sad. It is. Because it's not the cemetery where everybody else is buried. Nope. Nope. And it's, I mean, and this is, I feel like for a lot of people, this is like the worst case scenario. I guess the worst case scenario would nev- would be having never found her body. But having found her and knowing that she's in this public grave, I mean, that's, that's for a lot of people, this is, a, you know, a horrific outcome. But this family is working through it. They're doing their best. Um, and, you know, I, I commend them for their courage and being able to share this story. Because you, I'm telling you, there are probably other people out there that this has happened to. And a lot of people keep a lot of stuff secret. And that's why uh, the types of things that ha- are happening in this guardianship system are able to happen because no one speaks out about it. Jerry, tell us again where we can follow your stuff online. Yeah, well, you can follow um, me at Cherry Gregg, and that's C-H-E-R-R-I-G-R-E-G-G on all platforms. Um, also, KYWNewsRadio.com slash Flashpoint is our weekly public affairs show. Also, subscribe, 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 subscribe. That's what I ask for. You're doing my outro for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're all about subscribing because right. we have great stories. Um, I think in our region, I think Philadelphia area has some really wonderful stories. You know, we want to make sure people hear them. And speaking of KYW podcasts, we're recording this on Friday. And last night, Thursday, we kind of had a milestone here. Yes, yes, yes. We had our very first Flashpoint Live. And for people who don't know what Flashpoint is, it's KYW's weekly public affairs show. It airs every Saturday night at 930 on 1060 AM and every uh, Sunday morning at 830. And we're going to have an hour-long show this week. So I'm really excited about that. And we had a live studio audience. And they were clapping and everything. And that live show is going to be the podcast. The podcast, out. yeah. And we had Q&A and we had, you know, people engaging with us. So that was the best. And we talked about women who work, you know, some of the issues that are getting women to the polls for the midterm elections. And it got a little heated because that's what we do. We get, you know, it's, it's issues that make you hot under the collar and we walk you through the flames. We were walking through the flames. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Jerry, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Tom. And that's it for this week's show. You can follow Scroll Down on Twitter. We're at Scroll Down Pod. We'll put some photos Cherry took for this story up. And you can see more behind-the-scenes content, too, from all the reporters who help make this show what it is. I'm on Twitter at T-Rick. That's T-E-E-R-I-C-K. If you're able to take a minute to help us out at Scroll Down, I'd like to ask you to rate and review the show on iTunes. That's a big help to us, and it pushes the show out to more listeners. I'm Tom Rickard. Thank you for listening to Scroll Down. I'll talk to you again next time.